0: Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco and we exist so that people that are far from God, we encounter his presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. Hey, what's happening, church family? Good morning to you. Man, what an amazing story that was. Susie, we are so proud of you. I still remember the day that Susie gave her life to Jesus and uh It's been beautiful man fun to watch what the Lord's been doing in your life Susie and Eric and little Mosey your family is beautiful we celebrate you God is so amazing man and I love all these different stories and we can't wait to share more stories with our church family because God continues to do amazing things right hey listen today we are wrapping up our preaching series called what he said we've been focusing on the life the ministry the miracles of Jesus but specifically the words that he spoke And how they continue to resonate with us today. Last week we explored the idea of of Jesus being the great I am. It wasn't just a a random title. He was telling people because they were asking like, who are you? Who sent you? Who's endorsed you to say the things that you're saying? And finally like, all right, I'm going to tell you, I am. Before there was Abraham, I am. And they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you would say that. And then we see through the gospel of John, seven different times where he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life, et cetera. And what that speaks to us today is that Jesus is there for whatever we need. If we feel alone, he is a friend. If we feel like we're just down, he is our encouragement, our hope. If we feel abandoned or overlooked or not loved, he's the one that comes to love us and to comfort us and whatnot. So Jesus is there for us. Today, we're gonna continue and I'm gonna share three specific ideas, looking at three different individuals through the gospels we see that Jesus would speak sometimes to thousands of people and he could communicate and I don't know how that worked back in the day because they didn't have microphones and amplified sound but they would gather in and thousands of folks would lean in to hear the teacher teach sometimes he would hang out with smaller groups maybe a few hundred or a few dozen and he he would hang out with them and train them and mentor them I, I think of like the passage where it said that he sent 70 70 folks out two by two he says man go preach go minister. So he was training some folks. Sometimes he would hang out just with 12, the 12 disciples, sometimes just three. But through the gospels, we also see that you would have direct interaction with certain individuals. So I'm going to highlight three stories. There's many other stories. And I want to just point out a few key words that he spoke to these individuals that absolutely transformed their lives. It changed the trajectory of their lives forever they were forever impacted so let me bring you to the first one and we would find this in John chapter 1 verse 45 and it says Philip went to to look for Nathanael and he told him we have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about his name is is Jesus which was a pretty common name back in those days he's the son of Joseph from Nazareth Nazareth exclaimed Nathanael can any good thing come from Nazareth so let me just kind of pause and kind of give you the backdrop to this, right? Jesus shows up and he starts talking to the disciples, a few of them, just a couple of them. And they've been all been waiting for this Messiah, the promised Messiah that they had heard about for a long time. For centuries, actually, the Jews were waiting for God to send the Messiah that would rescue them and establish their kingdom, right? So they knew from prophetic insight and different things that, you know what, he should be coming around any time now, any day now. So there was that expectation, but they had a different picture of what the Messiah would look like. Man, he's going to be this majestic king, and he's just going to be incredible. And uh, so finally, a couple of these guys, they interact with Jesus, and all of a sudden, like, oh my goodness, this is the guy. So this one dude goes, and he finds Nathaniel. Philip runs up to him and says, man, we found him, the one that Moses talked about, that the prophets talked about. And, and, and this is who he is, his name is Jesus, and he's from, from Nazareth, and Nathaniel's like... Man, what do you mean Nazareth? That's like not the, that's not Jerusalem. That's not a prominent city or a town. That's just like, that's nothing. And obviously they were looked down upon, right? And nevertheless, though, Nathanael gets up and Philip says, come and see for yourself. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Ha. How do you know that about me? Nathaniel asked. I mean, that's their first interaction. It's like, hey, what's up, dude? How's it going? Hey, nice to meet you, man. Jesus, what's your name? It wasn't anything like that. Before they even like connected and shook hands or gave each other fist pumps or whatever, Jesus starts describing who Nathaniel was. And Nathaniel's like, how'd you know that? Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. That's a powerful statement. In my Bible, I have that highlighted and underlined. I could see you under this fig tree before Philip, your friend, found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, teacher, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you that I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see even greater things than this. And this is a fascinating story. And Maybe you're kind of new to this journey of faith and you're not familiar with these characters, these different names. But the significance of this passage right here, it just, it's, it's powerful on, on many different levels. Some of what was going on, Nathaniel, good dude, Jesus calls him out and says, man, you are the real deal. Now here's a guy who's studious, here's a guy who knows his stuff. And Nathaniel's like, how, how could you possibly even know that? The reason that Jesus knew that was because obviously Jesus is God prophetically he could in the eyes of his spirit see where he was at he wasn't physically near him perhaps but he could see him the significance of seeing where Nathaniel was was that Nathaniel wasn't just at some random spot he wasn't just somewhere drinking some some tea or whatever he was under a fig tree and in that culture during the day the only people that were adults that were that would hang out under a tree were scholars students people that were devoted to research and obviously this guy if if that's where Philip found him he was doing something such as that researching and studying to the point where how would Jesus know that Philip had gone to that tree unless he was indeed God or a prophet so Nathanael though not only did did Jesus know his name and call him out and by the way the the name Nathanael means a gift from God It's recorded in this gospel, the gospel of John. The other three gospels actually refer to him as Bartholomew. So same individual, two different names in the other gospels, but the gift from God, Jesus knew him. He could see him with his eyes of faith, and he knew him by name, and he knew what he was all about. That blew his mind. He was just like, all right, sign me up, I'm in. I'm a part of this thing. So it's fascinating to me, and what I see from this right here, Is that Jesus this wasn't a coincidence Jesus could see him with prophetic eyes but it tells me that Jesus sees me it tells us that Jesus sees us right where you're at Jesus sees you he knows who you are it's amazing he knows exactly what you're all about he understands your passions what you're into he understands the good the bad the ugly and he still continues to see us and he continues to bring hope and he continues to approach us with love and compassion. He's amazing that way. So here we had a guy who probably by personality, if he was on the Enneagram, we would probably say he's number five on the Enneagram. Just a researcher, great guy. Jesus comes after this guy who possibly was maybe a little cynical, maybe a bit skeptical, cautious, reluctant to just kinda like go all in. In the day and age that we live in right now, right, there's so many conspiracy theories so many different ideas and some people, they just go in head first and like, what were you thinking? This guy here was a little more cautious, but when he experienced the supernatural love of Jesus, when all of a sudden he he realized, wow, this guy indeed knows me, he was all in. What a beautiful exchange. So that's character number one. Let me show you another character. We find this story in Luke chapter seven. It's a sad story and it's um, tragic. It's a crisis for this gal right here it's probably the worst day of her life at least the worst season of her life that she would be living in and going through right here we see in luke chapter 7 it says this verse 11 it says soon afterward jesus went with his disciples to the village of nain nain actually means beauty or beautiful but this was not a beautiful experience for this gal not up until she met jesus it says that a large crowd followed him a funeral procession was coming out as he was as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, again, just like Jesus when he saw Nathaniel, when he saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. And his words right there, he says, Don't cry. Don't cry he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and he touched it and the bearers, those who were carrying this coffin, they stopped and he said, young man, I tell you, get up. (laughs) Then the dead boy, he sat up and he began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother and it's like her world's like what? What just happened? I'm like, what just, I, I can't believe, am I dreaming? I mean, what's going on right now? What just happened? I get all emotional just thinking about this this poor gal she's a widow the bible actually talks about her being one who who only had one son she had lost her husband at some point the bible doesn't tell us when but we know she's a widow and now her only son he's dead her world has come to essentially an end in their culture for instance a woman's identity was connected to the husband if the husband died the provider was gone the identity was gone her 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 provision her way of life, her lifestyle, now, now she'd be, she would be, she would suffer. And if she had children, perhaps the kids could help her get through. And then eventually when the son was old enough, he would take care of his mom. But now her son is dead. So she loses the present help and she loses her future security. They're both gone. And that becomes secondary because ultimately she loved her husband, I'm sure, and she loved her son. Her life is essentially over. So as she's processing, what am I going to do with life now? I mean, how bad could things really get? I mean, this, this pandemic is horrible. <laughs> this crisis is brutal. I've experienced so much pain. I don't know what, what, how much more I can take in. And as she's kind of like going through, and she's probably just numb to this whole thing, and she's going through the motions, following their protocols, going to bury her son, Here's, here's this procession. Here's this, this group of people walking with her, and in their culture, they're all mourning, so it's loud, it's fervent, it's painful. And she's going to bury her son. All of a sudden, there's, there's another individual who is also a son who would also die, who would also give up his life to save mankind, the greatest gift ever. Two different groups, and they enter, there's this intersection of death and life. She's experiencing uh, death firsthand, and Jesus now is coming to bring life, and she's going to experience that firsthand, this collision of realities. Jesus notices her pain. He sees her, and he stops everything. Moved with compassion. It says he was overflowing with compassion. He goes up, and he he touches that coffin, like, "Hold, hold up, hold up, wait up, wait up. They're like, man, what's this guy doing? Uh, What do you want, sir? And then he speaks the words that only Jesus can speak because he is the way, the truth and the life. And he begins to speak to this boy that's dead. It would be impossible for any physician to bring him back. But Jesus, the author of life, the bread of life, the source of life, the true vine, he begins to speak his destiny into this boy's life, his reality into this circumstance. And he brings him back to life. Moved with compassion, Jesus flips the script. And this hopeless woman who had no hope for her future, all of a sudden, she experiences the supernatural. What a phenomenal story. Short words. He didn't preach at her. He didn't teach her this whole long story. He was just moved with compassion and bam, spoke life. All of a sudden, everything changed. Could you imagine being there? It's that same Jesus that saw Nathaniel, that saw her, that continues to see us. He sees you exactly where you're at. The challenges that you're going through. The difficult seasons that we've been all living in and going through ourselves. He knows us, the good, the bad, the ugly, and he continues to come after us. Jesus, the source of love, the source of compassion. He continues to chase us down. What a fascinating story. Here's the point that we get from this exchange right here. Not only does Jesus see us, but he also cares about us. Jesus cares about you, cares about you. It's that simple. Here's the third story very quickly. Matthew chapter 7. Another fascinating story and again I alluded to possibly the most famous sermon recorded in scriptures from Jesus and that would be the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. And you got lots of people listening to Jesus and he talks about a variety of different things. Check it out sometime. Right at the end of this. So he's calling it a day. All right, guys it's, it's time to call it a day. It's a wrap. Let's go home. And it's the Sermon on the Mount, therefore, they're on this mountain or this, on the side of this mount, right? As he's wrapping things up, he begins to come down. And this is where we find at the end of chapter 7 and the first couple of ver- uh, verses of chapter 8, it says this. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds, they were amazed at his teaching. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. He was a different guy, right? large crowds they they followed jesus as he came down the mountainside suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him and he said lord the man said if you are willing you can heal me and you can make me clean jesus reached out and he touched him i am willing he said notice those words the words that he said, I am willing, I am willing, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Whew. Another powerful example of his love, of his power, of his compassion. Again, the context in our culture, we, we, we read about leprosy, but we're not as familiar with it. In their case, leprosy was a, it was a terminal disease. There was no cure. There was no alternative. Only a miracle. And, and they didn't have miracles unless Jesus performed a miracle and unless God supernaturally did something. And from time to time, the scripture records that God would do miraculous things. This man, essentially, he had a death sentence. He had no hope for living. And in their culture, when you had leprosy, not only were you struggling with your own physical infirmity, but now you've become an outcast. Now you don't fit society. Now you can't interact with others. You're actually ostracized, and you can't even hang out with your own family. Your own family can't care for you. In their culture, if you had to come into town for for supplies, if you you were coming into town to buy things, there's all these, these crazy protocols where you'd have to either ring a bell and you'd have to shout out, unclean, unclean, coming through. So could you imagine the shame and the reproach? Not only are you struggling, not only are you feeling miserable and in pain, and leprosy, again, it's when the nerve endings begin to, to malfunction. They stop working, and all of a sudden you lose your senses, and pretty soon you slam your, your hand into something. You can't even feel it, but now you've got broken, broken fingers, broken limbs, and Pretty soon the skin would begin to rot, the stench would fill the the atmosphere and like what's going on and slowly but surely this killing agent is taking this person's life away from them. They're miserable both externally as far as the physical but then also in their hearts, their emotions. Psychologically they are tripping. Could you imagine the sense of abandonment? The sense of rejection? This guy, when we read this passage right here, if, if he was truly following protocol from their culture, he wouldn't have been up at the mountaintop or alongside of the mountain with the crowds because he was not allowed to be there. So he apparently sees Jesus and he knows of Jesus and he possibly heard a few of the things that Jesus was saying, but the Bible doesn't specify and give us details, but in my mind, I seem to think that he probably was doing whatever he could to hear, Like, what's the big fuss? What's what's the big deal? Why why are there crowds gathering in to hear what this guy has to say? And somehow, some way, I don't know if maybe people coming down. He's like, hey, hey, dude, you know, don't get close. You know, I'm I, I messed up. I have issues. But what's that guy? What's that teacher t- uh, teaching people about? What's he saying? And somehow, some way, there was some faith that was stirred up in his heart even though he wasn't worthy, even though he wasn't deserving of anything. Something from within says, man, I got I to take a step of faith. I got to be bold. And somehow he positions himself because as Jesus comes down from the mountainside, he somehow gets close enough where he's like, hey, teacher, if you're willing, I know you can heal me. He believed in his heart. There's something different about Jesus' countenance, something different about what he had said. People recognize this dude has authority. And this guy, he believed. There's this glimmer of hope. He says, I I know you can. The question is, though, are you willing? I know I'm not deserving, I know I'm not worthy of this, I'm the scum of the earth. But if you're willing, I know you can. And Jesus, whoo, merciful, full of grace and compassion. He says, not only am I willing, man, he touches him. That was a big no-no. You don't touch someone with leprosy. (laughs) You couldn't do that. But Jesus, it's like, man, the love of, or the law of love, it overrides all of Moses's law. Jesus moved with compassion He reaches into that dark place, that filthy place, that unworthy place, touches him and speaks healing over his body. You are clean. You are healed. You are delivered. My friend, that's the same Jesus that continues to talk to us today. It's the same Jesus that comes and finds us in our depravity, in our mess, in our issues. And he comes with compassion and he speaks his life his tender mercies over us. I remember when I was a teenager, I I knew I had a call of God on my life. All these different prophets had spoken things over me, and I'm like, man, all right, I didn't want to be a preacher. I I didn't want to be in ministry. I wanted to be something or someone else, (laughs) and so I I, I would hear about like my friends partying and doing things and like, you know, getting high and, and drunk and different things, and it's like, what's the big deal? And I remember actually beginning to explore a little bit, hang out with some friends that were up to no good. <laughs> we go and party on Saturdays and then go to church on Sundays and play on the worship team. Oh snap! I remember this one time I, I just I got I got trashed. I was I was drunk. Came home, my mom and dad were gracious people, and uh, I managed to sneak into the to my room and I was drunk. My goodness, it, I was a mess, and uh, you know talk about a massive headache and. I get into my bed and I'm just like I'm just I, I reek. I, there's just this stench, and then I throw up in my own bed. But I'm so exhausted and tired and messed up. I'm like I can't even. I'm just gonna sleep in my filth right here because I'm I can't do anything about it right now. So boom, I'm out. <laughs> then, sometime early in the morning, I don't know what time—five, six in the morning—I feel the presence in my room. It wasn't Jesus but it was almost. It was my dad. My dad, he was our pastor, but he was Pops. In Portuguese we'd say paizão, it was my dad. He realized I was, I was messed up. He could smell the stench. And I could feel the atmosphere in the room change. And all of a sudden his big old hand grabs my foot very tenderly, and I'm like, oh snap, this could be really bad. And then I could I could hear him pray. And I can feel some tears landing on my feet. And his words were Lord, this is not his destiny. This isn't his portion. I think that he's mighty in you. He's grown up to be a mighty man of God. This is not his story. And he prayed me through my breakthrough. I didn't deserve it. I deserved to be grounded. I deserved all kinds of punishments. And yet in his mercy and in my filth and in my situation, he extended love. See that's the heart of Jesus for us. That's the heart of Jesus for you. He finds us in our state. We're not spiritual. We're not strong. At times we lose our faith. We lose our focus. And yet he continues to speak life. He continues to speak his script over our lives. He's writing his story on the tablets of our hearts. And in mercy, he resurrects us when it came to this leprosy and this leper right here i can relate the bible says that while we were still sinners christ died for us sin and leprosy it's like they're they're parallel leprosy was a picture of sin because the bible says that the wages or the the consequences the results of sin is death we all had this terminal condition, this terminal disease. And yet in God's love and mercy, he continues to come after us. The words of Jesus, they continue to resonate through the corridors of time. They continue to find us today. He sees you, he cares about you, and he's willing to help you. That's the kind of God that we serve. So I want to share this big idea today with you. It's a simple idea, but I'd love for you to just... Allow this to be engraved into your heart when it comes to Jesus. Here's a thought, Jesus, he sees you, he cares about you, and he wants to help you. Why? Because you're a big deal to him. You are a big deal to Jesus. This last weekend, I, I traveled to the East Coast and I was ministering in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Great church, phenomenal folks, an MFI church, just incredible. And uh, Saturday night, I was able to, to uh, do some prophetic ministry, and God showed up, and it was just so awesome. Awesome on many different levels. One, because I finally was in, uh, for the second time in six months, in a uh, in-person gathering, right? So with social distancing and masks and the whole thing, we were there ministering. God shows up, moves powerfully, and I left that meeting feeling so energized, and I could feel the anointing of God in my life, and I had dinner with the pastors later I go to the hotel and like they're three hours ahead of me and I'm going to have to preach four times the next morning so I'm like man I got to get some sleep and it took me a little while to finally kind of like feel like all right the adrenaline rush the the anointing kind of lift a little bit I'm like all right I'm going to fall asleep so I finally I fell asleep a few hours into it I'm awakened and I'm feeling the adrenaline rush again and I'm kind of like, man, am I reliving what I just experienced a few hours ago? And I can feel the anointing to prophesy and minister. And I, so here I am. I, I, kinda, I don't sit up in my bed, but I'm awakened and my eyes are open. And I'm like, darn it. I need a sleep. I'm going to be exhausted by the morning. I'm going to start preaching at 5 o'clock Pacific time, 8 o'clock in the morning their time. And so I'm, I'm kind of battling this thing, but I, I'm feeling this, this anointing, this charge. And I feel like I'm prophesying over somebody and I'm like, I get this word of knowledge that, man, you're, you're battling the spirit of suicide, but I come against suicide in the name of Jesus. You will not kill yourself with that gun, but you will live and you will have a story. And I began to prophesy as I'm laying there in my bed and, and it's like, finally, when I'm done, I'm, I go back to sleep. And then boom, the alarm goes off. Like, ah, uh, I gotta get up, go to church, preach one service, another service, third service. Now I'm leaving after the third service to go preach at another campus. The pastor is taking me through the lobby quickly. The people are wrapping up the services. I'm sneaking out all of a sudden, as I'm walking out, this dude at the, at the corner of the lobby, he says, hey, hey preacher, can I ask you a question? I go, man, I, bro, man, man, I wish I could help, man. The pastor's taking me, I gotta go preach, and I gotta go preach, man, I'm sorry. And, and I'm feeling like, ugh, like I, I love to help this guy out, but I gotta go preach. They're waiting for the preacher. It's gonna be an amazing word. <laughs> as I'm trying to walk out, I just can't help myself, but like, ah, and I stopped, I'm like, what's going on, man? What, what, what's, what's happening? All of a sudden, tears start coming down his face, and he's like, he goes, I came last night, my, my, my world is falling apart, my, my wife is leaving me, and um, I sat in the car, and I'm like, man, I, everything's just like, this, this has been the worst year of my life, and Pulled out my gun and I just like, you know what, that's it. I'm just going to kill myself. And just something kept saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I stayed in my car all night long. And then I go, oh, so you're the guy that I was prophesying over. You're the one. And I found myself just saying these words. You know what, bro? If you were the only person on this planet, God would have sent Jesus still to die just for you. Why? Because you're a big deal to God. He loves you that much. Thank God he didn't pull that trigger. Why? Because God still has great things in store for you. Though your life is jacked up right now, God can still turn beauty from ashes. Your mourning, he can turn into joy. Your sorrows, he can flip this whole thing and write a beautiful story. And I began to prophesy over him and he's just melting. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I gotta go preach, man. And then this other pastor shows up and helps him and I leave and I, in the car, I have this realization. Thank God I wasn't too busy to overlook this opportunity. Why? Because Jesus, he saw that guy. Jesus, he sees you. He cares about you and he wants to help. What a powerful, powerful demonstration of his love that we find here through scripture. So as we wrap things up today, why is it important for us to know these things? Why? Number one, because Jesus still accepts those who question God or faith it's important for you to understand that you are a big deal to God. Even if you have questions, even if you have doubts, God embraces and he welcomes those who doubt, those who question, the skeptics, the cynics. There's a place at the table for you too. And God takes you at your pace. You're important to him. The second reason why it's important for you to understand why you're important to him, because Jesus gives us hope when we're on empty. Many of us run on fumes. We're just trying to get through and get by. But Jesus is the one that gives us the recharge. He's the one that brings hope. When I think of that lady who was a widow who lost her son, she had no hope for her present or her future. Jesus came and he continues to come after you and I today. That's why it's important for you to understand. And finally, number three, because Jesus is willing to get get dirty, meaning he's willing to get dirty to help you and I doesn't matter what kind of stuff we find ourselves in. He comes after us. You don't have to get all cleaned up and pretty to get right with God. Come as you are. Allow him to bring that that healing that you need, that hope that you're craving, the love that that you're needing so badly. Allow him to just come. That's why it's important for us to be reminded of these things. And as we do every time we preach, these are three basic action steps that I love for you to just remember and apply. Number one, believe it. Believe that God loves you. Believe that Jesus continues to speak his words over you. The second thought would be, agree with it. Agree with it. So the belief comes from your heart, and then all of a sudden the agreement comes from your mind. Come in agreement with it, I'm like, all right, I don't deserve it, but all right, I agree. And finally, number three, just accept it. Heart, head, hands, accept it, embrace it. That's it, God, I'm not deserving, but I accept the gift. As I wrap up today, I want to pray for us, and I'm hoping that these words would not just be some words that you hear from afar off, but I would pray and hope that you allow these words to go deep into your heart, that it would bring a a transformation into your spirit, that you would sense a lifting, a picking me up kind of a feel like, you know what? There's more to life than just existing. I need to live. I need need to thrive. I can't just get through life. Allow God to lift you up. Allow the words of Jesus to sustain you. I want to pray for you, my brother, my sister. I know it's been a tough, tough year, tough season for all of us on so many different levels, but his grace is sufficient for us. Jesus continues to speak to us, and I'm excited because next week we're gonna launch a brand new series on how to hear his words today. He continues to speak to us by the Holy Spirit. We launch a brand new series called Whisper how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus speaking to you, and to you and I. Allow me to pray for you today. God, I thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. And Lord, I know that, that you know our stories, you see us, you care about us, and you wanna help us. God, I pray that you would help us even today for each viewer that would be watching, for each listener that would be listening to this message. God, I pray that they would open their hearts, that they would allow you to come and bring healing, bring hope, bring faith. Whatever it is that they need, God, I pray that today that they would be immersed in the love of Jesus. Father, for those who are distant from you today, I pray that they would open their hearts and they'd fully surrender to you. I speak a blessing over each one today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Church, we love you. Have an awesome week. We will see you Wednesday night at our pursuit prayer. God bless you.